You are listening to the Mission Matters Podcast Network, where we amplify the stories of entrepreneurs, executives, and experts. Welcome to the Leaders Lab Podcast, where we unpack lessons from great leaders across all walks of life and turn them into actionable advice to help people on their own leadership journey. I'm Ken Eslick, and today we have my friend Steve Soprani. Steve is the owner of Soprani Consulting, a hiring and training company that places, get this, over four to 500 hires per year in small businesses all over the U.S. and Canada. A former educator, Steve has a passion for teaching, coaching, and consulting to help business owners achieve their mission and vision through hiring leverage, developing effective business practice strategies, and optimizing their systems, procedures, and processes. Steve is dedicated to the employer-employee relationship to make both parties more receptive and engaged so that the business can be more efficient and profitable as a whole. Soprani Consulting and Steve's vision is to recreate 10,000 small businesses by the year 2030 to challenge the norm of outdated hiring practices Heal broken workplace relationships so that employers and their staff can reach their full potential. When not at work, Steve is an avid reader, investor, and devoted father to his two daughters. Welcome, Steve. Good to have you here, man. Of course. Thanks for having me, Ken. Yeah, I'm so glad to have you here. We have Steve for a special reason today. So today's show is going to be a bit of a shift in when Steve's talking about recreating 10,000 businesses, well, first of all, tell me what that means. Don't, don't let me assume it. T- tell me what it, that means to you, Steve. Yeah. So, I mean, what we do day in and day out is we interview people and we work with a lot of small business entrepreneurs and we find the most common thing that most of them are struggling with is finding talent. Now, sometimes it's because the game has changed a little bit with that. I read an article recently in Barron's that said, that hiring is going to be a challenge for the next decade. Get that 10 years, right? So some of this, I think, is because the market has just changed. We've had, you know, historically very low unemployment for this past, you know, in hiring anyway, the past year, two years, right? It's going up a little bit now. Again, you know, businesses are making a little less money, but there's just not as much talent out there. And I think it's caused a lot of people, or they should be reframing the way they think about their relationship with their employees and the way they lead them. So I actually think a lot of what we're going to cover today with the DISC will be very relevant because there is a little bit of a, I'm from Venus, you're from Mars kind of a thing. And I do think it's really important for leaders and entrepreneurs to know that. Yes. Thank you so much for that. Yeah. So what we brought Steve on for is exactly that. Through Steve's work, Steve, you used to be if I'm not mistaken, you were a teacher turned businessman, right? So That's right. Uh, he's not a yes. Yeah. So where Steve's at right now, it's such a perfect blend of those two worlds because I think, you know, you really love to educate people and help people. And in the masterminds we've been in together, you've always been kind of a front of the room kind of guy. And you and I have worked together in that, that capacity. And along the way, so the disc profile is something that I've used for, gosh, a really long time. I don't even know how many years. It's really big in the Tony Robbins world, but it's really big in the business world too. So I think I was using it back in my corporate days. And now I use it with every new hire that we make, not necessarily the people that we place, but the people that I bring on to my company and that I'm constantly looking at my own disc profile to see how that pertains. So today is going to be all about the disc profile. And Steve is our expert. Literally, when I was like, I want to take a deeper dive on this, I was like, who in my network knows this better than anyone? And it wasn't close. Like, Steve, you were definitely the guy. So thanks, Ken. So what's an overview of the disc? I mean, let's just assume somebody has no knowledge of it. They've never taken it. Can you give us a brief overview of of what a disc profile is? 
hundred percent. So, I mean, it's really easy to start with. The DISC is just an acronym for four different temperaments or personality types. So that would be the first thing. There's nothing too fancy about this. The D, you know, generally is going to stand for kind of dominance, the I for influencing, the S type for stabilizing, and the C for conscientious or cautious. One of the things that I always found interesting about this, and I, I studied a lot of ancient, but this philosophy goes all the way back to the father of modern medicine. His name was Hippocrates. A lot of you ever go in like a doctor's office, sometimes you still see the Hippocratic Oath, right? That comes right from this guy. And so he had this theory, and then Aristotle kind of carried it on, that there were four different kinds of moods or temperaments for people. And they actually believed that this showed up in the body, right? In your blood, in your, I mean, it's kind of gross, but in your mucus. And like, they tracked these things. They believed there was kind of a physical manifestation of this. It was adapted. So we certainly don't believe that now. Another guy, early 20th century guy named William Moulton Marston, kind of came up with the, the model we follow more now. But basically, it is still the same thing that your personality, your temperament, or your style of communication is going to flesh itself out in a few of these different ways. And so there's four different types. The analogy I always like to go with here, Ken, for the people that are listening to this, you'll know exactly which one you are. So let's go with a little story here. I want you to imagine you're about to get on an elevator. The easiest way to imagine who the D-type personality is, I didn't make this up, by the way, but I always loved this when I heard it. The D-type or dominant personality is always- We're pressing the buttons? Yeah, that's- <laughs> I knew it. I'm type, a D. Right. I'm yeah, a D. So <laughs> D. If you're the D, you're going to hit the button. And you know the elevator is coming, right? If you're going up, it's coming. But the D-type is going to hit the button, and they're going to hit the button, and they're going to hit it 20 more times, right? And that's a really good way to think of the D-type or dominant personality. The I-type personality, that influencer, is the one that gets on the elevator with other people, and they suddenly realize they have a captive audience. And they're like, wow, I now can talk to you about the weather I can talk to you about my local sports team, but you're trapped with me for at least a minute here and we're going to have a conversation. So that's a really good way to think of the I type, the S type or the steady. We'll get into a lot more detail on this today, of course, too. But the steady is very person centered as well. The I and the S are person centered. We'll get into that. But they're all about others. Okay. So that's one big difference than the I type. The I types are more the charmer. So if you're the S type, you're the kind of person that as the doors are closing and maybe there's a mom and a daughter that's <laughs> trying to get on, yeah. they're that person that's going to put their arm out. They're going to hold that elevator open for someone. And uh, the C-type, this is one of my favorites because I'm very different from this one, but the conscientious type is, get this, they're going to look at the weight limit before they- I swear they to God, I was going to guess that. Yeah. They're right. looking for load capacities and the last time the elevator was inspected maybe and stuff like that. Yeah. 100%. So that's a really good way to think through this. I think that should give everybody, like you probably know which ones you are. Usually you're going to find in the disc, you're going to have two kind of main natural styles as we look mm -hmm. at this. You have more than that, but you know, hopefully that gives you a good way to think through it. Yeah. So let's pause for a second though. And before we dive deeper on these, like- why do people want to know about it? Like, why is it important to either take the assessment of yourself or for future employees or current employees or, you know, your family members? Like, why, why do we need it? What's important about it? Yeah. I mean, I think the first part is, you know, self-knowledge is really going to matter. And so the reason that matters is if you don't know who you are and you don't know your communication style, then you certainly aren't going to be communicating effectively with other people through 
and maybe finding common themes. So I would say a very common reason we should study DISC and think about it intentionally is just communication. That's one of the things that I believe is really important. Again, going back to employer-employee relationship, but most of us are working with customers and we're communicating from our perspective or our lens. And if we never stop to think about that, right, and the way I'm thinking about something, and then the way they're thinking about something, you're going to have misunderstandings with people. So this is a really simple, effective tool to at least establish a baseline. Yeah. And I think, you know, what happens is, well, for a couple of things. So first of all, on the podcast, most people, you guys will notice like week in and week out when I'm talking to people that have had a very high level of success, they're always in student mode. They're always self-assessing. And the reason I'm even having Steve on here today is because we've talked about the disc. It's just gotten mentioned casually, right? Where someone will go, oh, I'm a D and you're a D or, or I'm a high D, high I and you're high D, high I. So like we see eye to eye or I brought this person who was high C into my team because we needed that, right? And, so, and I figured if we're going to talk in this lingo and we seem to do it the most with this test and the Enneagram, that we bring on experts like yourself to take these deep dives into it. I think when we go out and have a kind of day where everybody seems like a-holes or like nothing's going our way, a lot of times it's just as simple as we're running into a lot of people that aren't wired the way that we're wired, right? It's not a good or a bad thing necessarily. But again, the more awake we are, particularly as leaders, because it's not just our job to lead a little tribe of compliant people that are exactly how we are. There's no diversity in that. There's no growth or creativity in that. And so we need to find ways to get through to the people that aren't like us. I think it's funny for sometimes, and you might be able to relate to this, Steve, even though I think you've probably always been a, a conscientious leader. But you know how we always have that one employee where we're like, God, if I could just clone so-and-so, right. my job would be so easy. And I'm like, if you could clone so-and-so, you don't need you anymore. You know what I mean? Like what you're kind of saying is if there was someone just like me who did things like me all the time that I never had to communicate to, then life would be great. But guess what? That's not leadership, right? You wouldn't need to be 100%. there. So yeah. So it's our job, I think, to understand and adapt to where other people are, right? And to be as effective as we can be and to contribute as much as we can. Yeah. And if I could just piggyback off of that, this is one of the most common things that we use in hiring. It's one of those first tools. And so I would say you also don't want to hire someone like you because then if there's just another you, there will certainly be some advantages to that. But what we've found is you really can have opposites attract in this because that other person is going to compliment you and your business in ways that you just can't imagine. But it's still up to you to understand that there is difference and that difference is valuable to the business organization. So let me just give you a couple yeah. more examples, I guess, of what I mean by this. So the other thing that shows up with DISC is certainly your emotional states, your motivations, and your fears, right? And so just for example, if you're a really high D dominant, direct, decisive kind of person, you might get angry really quickly, right? And you might just be, again, going back to that elevator, right? You know, you're just naturally that outgoing style moves very quickly. But couldn't we ask ourselves the question, might it be an advantage sometimes to move slower, right? And so that's where you can complement yourself with someone that's more of that S stable, steady, secure kind of personality. So Key emotion for the high D sometimes gets angry easily, right? Motivated by challenge, the bottom line, right? They are the movers and shakers in the business world, right? They can do things really quickly and they're the decision makers, right? Some of their biggest fears, just to kind of use the D as an example, they're really afraid of wasting time. 
and they're really afraid of being taken advantage of. So that is naturally going to contradict with someone that's a very high S because they don't like change, right? And they really prefer steadiness. And in my opinion, in the business world, there's times where you need to move quickly and there's times you need to be steady. Mm-hmm. And so I think by thinking through which one you are first, you then can work on, okay, well, what kind of team do I want to build around my strengths? And that's the way we should think of it. It's such, you know, it takes a, like an enlightened leader to me to like look at things that way, especially, you know, entrepreneurs that I, that I know, right? To stop and go, hey, you know, I'm actually not good in this particular area, or I'm at least not hardwired for a particular area, right? And maybe bringing someone on the team to make up for, you know, these traits in my personality that I naturally just lack, right? It doesn't right. mean you should stop trying. You can still do the work around it, you know? That's the other thing, and I'm sure you're going to touch on it. But as I've learned through my years of, of taking this test, and it's not an indictment, right? Like if someone's – there's no right or wrong scores here. It's just kind of is what it is. But my experience has been like, well, if I'm low S, high D, but I'm aware of it and I care about people, it just might not be my natural tendency to go there, right? Because I'm high D and I want to move quick. Then like you said, can I, through that knowledge – take a pause, develop some things in my schedule, make sure to increase team building activities, making sure to talk to people about, you know, their performance reviews and feeling valued and, you know, all, all of those kinds of things. And so, it, yeah, it doesn't mean that you're absent of the other thing. It means that it's not naturally coming to you. Would you agree with that? Yeah, 100%. I mean, a lot of what we've realized in working, especially with entrepreneurs, is they really do move very quickly. They're very good with people but they do leave a big wake behind them, right? Mm -hmm. And so at least a lot of what we recommend and consult around is that's not necessarily a business, right? Just because you're successful doesn't mean you're running a business. And you might want someone that can really build out your systems, your procedures and processes. Mm -hmm. And that's probably not going to be your natural strength if you're a high D personality or a high I, because you're going to want to move on to the next thing. You're typically a very good if you're a high D, high I, and you're that outgoing type, you're a project starter. You want to hire someone that's a high S, that's a high C, that's a project finisher. So you can see where they should complement each other in some very natural ways, but we do have to get out of each other's way first, and that's always where you want to start, I think. Totally. So what about the, who do you want to do next, the eyes? Yeah, we can cover the eyes. So the eyes tend to be very, again, it's the eye can stand for influence or interactive. These are just your social butterflies out there, right? Again, going back to the elevator, they are naturally really good with people. They have that gift of gab. They can charm people. They can influence people through it. Their key emotion is optimism, okay? So they really do look at the sunny side of things, you know, and they can find silver linings sometimes. And that, I think, can be a disadvantage for them and an advantage, right? Because sometimes they can see an opportunity through that creativity where other people can't. They are very motivated. If you're that kind of person, you'll know what I mean. Flattery or recognition, and they really need energy, right? So if you're not an I, but you're working with one, this person really kind of needs that pat on the back. They need to know they're on the right track with something. And so that really helps them. What are some professions that might be, because we talked a lot about the D being kind of a lot of times the boss, the entrepreneur. What are some professions that fall into the I? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, these are typically people I'd say I'd always recommend for customer service. I think they can be effective salespeople. Yeah. Are structured enough. That's a big challenge for them. They can be excellent marketers, right? Anything that is going to involve creativity, 
and the opportunity to create and kind of do lots of different things, that works really well for that personality type. Yeah, my favorite for sales reps has actually been high I, but with a strong D. Right. Like with a strong D as a, as a backup or vice versa. Right. Now, I'm high D first and then high I for my own profile. But yeah, high I by itself, Rock and I, who you know, we used to kind of joke around about the curse of the high I. And what we meant by that was high I, low D meant all talk, no action. So that's the sales rep that talks a real big game and then like doesn't follow up, is bad with paperwork. You know, there's no orders in front of you. Right. Uh, but every time you see them, like they're ready to tell you what they're going to plan to do next, but it never really happens, right? But if yeah. you mix that level of decisiveness, that that D in there, I, I think it really helps with sales reps. So yeah. um, I also, yeah, marketing, you know, we have some marketing people on our team. So marketing to me, high eye is a definite trait we want to see in that as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think those would prob- probably be the main ones. I mean, again, that project starter starter versus finisher. They love starting things. They don't, you know, going back to what you said, they can sometimes be a little bit all hat, no cattle, if you're familiar with that Texas phrase. Yeah. So that, so you need to look out for that. And you need, if you're leading that type of personality, you need to help them to find structure, right? Because if, if you don't, they might not naturally be good at that. Got it. Got it. Okay, cool. What about the, uh, who do you want to go next? C's? Yeah, let's go to C's. So yeah. the... The C is one of my favorites, and, and you know, there's different ways you can kind of think of these two, even with colors, right? So sometimes they call the high D, <clears throat> the reds, the eyes, the yellows, the Cs, the, you know, I call them blue thinkers. And so what I mean by that is they're really interesting. And so in a lot of ways, they complement some of the really great things about the high D, but they just do it in such a different way. So the other thing that you, know, you can kind of if you'd want to divide up this disc and it's worth keeping in mind, if you're thinking of like a pizza, right? Everybody likes pizza. At least I do. You know, the first way you kind of slice it horizontally, you have your outgoing types, the D and the I on the top, and you have your reserve types on the bottom side of those slices, right? And that's the C and the S. The other way that you can think through it, and this is getting to what I was going to say with a high C, is task versus people. Okay. So high C's like high D's, that type of personality is focused on achievement. Okay, so task-oriented types tend to be doers. They're project finishers. They're focused on results. They're high tech, okay? The people-oriented types, the I and the S, if if Ds and Cs are high tech, Is and Ss are high touch. They feel things, very intuitive, project starters, and they're focused on connections. So I think one of the unique things I've learned about C's is they're not going to come right out oftentimes and say it, but they will always have important calculated things to add to conversations. But if you don't give them the space for it, they might not share it. And that's just something I've observed from working with a lot of them. Because again, they're not outgoing, right? They're the opposite of that. But I think they have a really unique way to be creative but if you don't give them the space, they won't explore it with you. So that's, I think, more of a, a team approach to it. But high C's can be incredible people in a business because they're efficient, they don't make mistakes, and they do get things done. Yeah. And I think, too, to what you're saying, Steve, is like, so they can be introverted if 
they're not proactive about it, right? So they're naturally introverted, but they might be like, hey, I get it. I've got to be more assertive, right? And again, as leaders, it's part of what we can do. If I know someone on my team is someone whose opinion I really, really value, but I also know they're a very high C, and I know that they don't necessarily like to be the first one to raise their hands at meeting, and yet they should be because they've got they've got the info, they've got the ideas, then what I can do as a leader is meet with that person and say, hey, you're valued here. It's a safe place. I want to hear you speak up. In fact, I want you to lead maybe one of these meetings and step out of your comfort zone. And, you know, so those are some some ways that we can use it. So what what kind of roles I'll share with you on my team, kind of who falls into C's, but but what kind of roles, what kind of occupations fall into the C's? Yeah. And so there's definitely some generalizations I'm making here, but they tend to be very strong on operations. They tend to be very strong in administrative type roles. I've seen and I know some high C's that are also business owners. So that's another thing I think sometimes they have a very unique way of approaching problems, but because they're so systematic in the way they do things, they do build build businesses that way. They just their businesses look very different. Yeah. Some of their biggest challenges that this personality has, and I think what you said, Ken, was perfect. Like you gotta pull that person aside. Their biggest fear is criticism and rejection, right? And so because they value correctness and being like right, right. so much. If you if you undermine them in public, you'll lose a lot of face with that kind of person. So to answer your question, I think very strong in administration, very strong operations. I've seen them be leaders. I mean, you can even have them be salespeople, but you know, you might need more of that DC combination. And then you might not be as people oriented if you have just those two. But again, that approach and that systematic way of doing things is such an advantage for them. Yeah, I in our in our world, most of our high C's do things like sourcing, which is an invaluable thing in recruiting, right? So sourcing for candidates. We have a massive, I shouldn't say massive, but like a fairly complex technology package that we use. And there's like certain things that have to happen a certain way every time, right? right and right. they're not only the ones that help run that, but they help design it, right? So they'll go, I've got an idea here. I've got an idea here. They're the ones like dealing with our Google Sheets and Excel spreadsheets and right. formulas and, you know, all of those things. And, you know, in many ways, I'm, I'm like, you, oh, okay, you're kind of the brain, like the heartbeat of the of the business. But like you said, and, and I think C's take pride in, but like you said, it's it's also important for us as leaders to make sure they're feeling like, you know, part of the team and involved and pulled in. I've also seen some professions I've seen that fit that, some financial analysts, engineers. Right. Uh, engineers 100%. are a big one. Yeah. 100%. Okay, cool. And last but not least, how about our S's out there? Yeah. So the S's. So these these two that we're covering now, are certainly the introverts of of the of the disc assessment. My opinion is I've I've seen C's. I believe they're the most introverted. But you know you might think of the S's as their cousin in that way too because they're still reserved. Some of the key aspects of them they they can sometimes hide emotion because they're so other centered. They can be very motivated by security, right? I think that's going to be the main thing you're going to notice with them. They like stability. They do not like change, of course, which would be the opposite but they're really certainty driven. So mm-hmm. if you're leading them and you take away some of that from them, they really struggle with that. So they tend to be really great supporters. Sometimes I've heard this one described as the power behind the throne, right? Is another way to think through it, right? They can be incredible number twos on a team because they really value in a unique way. They don't want the spotlight on them most times. They want to bring out that in someone else. So there's a very natural care 
I think, to the way they approach their work. They're very altruistic. So those would be some of their, this one was always <clears throat> the hardest one for me to figure out, but they're very motivated by others and they will just do good for the sake of doing good. Like these people will bring you your cup of coffee. They want to make you feel good and they will, they will want to make your customers feel good too. Very good. So a lot of times that could be, again, customer service, which I knew crossed into another one. I think service work sometimes in general, right? Like nurses, things like 100%. that. Yeah. So it's really interesting because as you start to understand all these, I mean, Steve, I, I'm sure you do this because I know this pretty well and you know it better than I do. And I can, you know, I can be at like a party or a social event or something. I'll be like, oh, that, that guy's a D, that one's an I, you know what I mean? And right. generally be, but you know what? I feel like you have me stumped, man. I mean, you got to be high eye because I know you're very outgoing. Right. Is that your number one is high eye? So I do vary a little bit, but I am a very high eye. I do think that's my... So one last thing we'll talk about too with this is natural versus adaptive style. But I'm typically a very high DI, very low S. <laughs> and my C is not high, but it's I still value... We're the you know, same. Yeah. yeah I think we're, you we're... And I are... Very similar. We're the same. So my D is kind of off the charts, you know, like on the old numerical scoring one, it was like a 98 with a very strong eye, I, th I think an 80 or something. But my C is not that far behind. I think it's 65 or something like that. Right. And then the S is probably a 30 or something. But it really does take a village though, man. Like for different jobs, you need different people, you know. And if I put a high I into an overseas VA data entry yeah. thing they they may take the job because they need it but it's not going to last for either 100%. side yeah and, and on that note there's one other thing i always like to talk about and that's called natural versus adaptive style okay, cool and yeah it's really neat too so your natural style is just how you show up when you're not being observed by others right it it's kind of the skin that you live in however most of us don't show up that way at work and we are being observed by our peers so what a lot of us will do is we show up and to your point, Ken, like that person might take the job and they'll be in their adaptive style, right? And that's basically how you behave when you feel you are being watched and you can tweak your disc a little bit, right? So people will always wonder nature versus nurture, right? My opinion is both of them play a role here, but especially on the nurture or community side of it, right? You can fake it for a little while but you're always going to go back to your natural style. So sometimes you'll see gray bars on this disc and your adaptive is very hard for you to live in because not normal to you, right? Right. So you can tweak it and change a little bit, but you're always going to gravitate back to those primary colors. It's the same as like, I look at it the same as like being in a job you hate or being in a relationship that's unsatisfying or something. And it's like, we, we do it. If we continue to do it, we're going to be unfulfilled. So it's either going to end or you're going to stay in it and be miserable either either way. It's not a, not a good recipe for fulfillment for sure. Yeah. Well, and I'll just pick on myself a little bit with this too. So when I was a teacher, I was a class supervisor and I really enjoyed that. But of course, as a DI, I enjoyed being with the kids, doing the activities. But one of the things I didn't know about the role was I had to do all this scheduling and I had to do all this paperwork and I had to submit these plans. And like, I didn't stay for very long in that role because it, I mean, I did out my term, but it just wore me down again. All that it, C it, work, all that compliance all that work, work, right? Yeah, exactly. So I, I do think for people, it's okay to be who you are. And usually what we encourage people to do on a team is Find those people that do enjoy those things. Yes. We always tell owners and you know even the people that work for them, 
What do you love to do? What do you hate to do? It's okay if you're not good at everything. Most people aren't. And we'd rather see people go into their flow state of what they're really good at and naturally gifted in. And so you guys have been focusing primarily on ex- executive assistants, right? For the last few years? Yeah. And typically you will see with that personality, they're going to be much more introverted, that kind of high S, high C personality. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that is interesting, and I'll, I'll mention too, for the people listening, there's nuance to these sometimes. So I, I would always encourage people not to pigeonhole anyone. But what I would say too, is you will notice some themes, right? And so it's really important for you if you're hiring, especially an executive assistant, do you need a taskmaster or do you need a helping hand? They're right. both assistants, but the way they're going to assist is very different. And right. so to your point, yeah, usually FCs, sometimes like a high C, high I can also be an administrative person, but you might need to give them a little more creative work too. Right. Makes sense. I guess the way I use it, Steve, is that I know in advance what the strength should be for a particular job, but the test isn't the judge and jury, right? Like we still interview and we do our Zim interviews and we have questions that we ask and we have competencies that we want to see. And there would be a couple of knockouts, I guess, from a disc perspective, only in the sense that extremes, right? So like if I'm hiring a pure play hunter style sales rep for new business development and the worst score of their four is their I score, right? I'm going to be like, okay, either something happened with the scoring and we got to do it again, or I've got completely the wrong person. There's literally never been a time though, when I've interviewed someone and gotten it that wrong. You know what I mean? It's usually like... So I can live with, okay, I'd love for, in that scenario I just gave you, I'd love for their I to either be their their highest score, their second highest score, only to a D, right? That's what I want to see. Right. But as long as I see a high I score, like an I score that's, you know, 65 or above, something like that, even if it's third, but it's strong, right? And I interview them around that, then I'm just going to kind of use the test as a management tool for me to know how to work with them if we do pull the trigger, right? So it's not necessarily a litmus test by itself of who I'm going to bring on board, you know? Yeah, that's 100% right. And that's the way I would say we use it as well. Use that word tool. I think this should help you to understand someone and then it should allow you to have other conversations to get to know them and find out, again, does their talent match what you're looking for in this position? So, yeah, I think you're 100% on the money there, Ken. Totally, totally. What else should we cover about the disc? I don't want to keep you too long, but I like this. We've covered all four styles. We've covered a lot of the occupations that hit all four. Uh, I think we've talked a little bit about as a leader because this podcast primarily appeals to leaders. So, you know, one of the things that I want to add to that is, and again, I don't mean to beat a dead horse here, but it's not our employees' jobs to figure out all the personalities around them. Do you know what I mean? Like, like right. it's our, but it is our job if we want to run an effective business and be the best leaders that we can be to optimize and understand everybody around us, right? And that's the yeah. reason even for having you on board here on the podcast today. So yeah. I could, yeah, did you want me to, so the only other thing I would say is, again, going back to this idea of opposites attract, I think the only other thing I would say is, you know, whatever one you think you are as you're listening to this, there will be someone that's opposite that you need in your business or you might want to have on your team. So typically we think of D's and S's as opposites, right? And I's and C's as opposites. And so they really need each other and you'll probably drive each other crazy if (laughs) you are opposites. So I think the main thing, like if you're a high D and you're talking to a high S, some of the tips I would just give you in your communication would be, 
you're naturally really fast moving. If you're talking and you want to commute effectively with a high S, slow down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Maybe realize that you're going to overpower this person just based on who you are and the way you show up. So maybe chill a little, right? In the way you communicate. If you're an S, right, you would really benefit a D from being more direct, right? These mm-hmm. really develop trust through direct and through confrontation, right? And so sometimes Ds will feel like, oh, you're you're trying to sneak something by me here. But an S might really be trying to be delicate and approach it thoughtfully. And <laughs> I so think you- us Ds are like, are you kidding me? Like, like, you know what I mean? You're like, there's, they got to be up to something if it's taking this long. But I got to tell you a quick story of my yeah. D to a customer, potential customer that was an S. This is back, I think, right when I found out about the disc profile. This is a long time ago. Anyway, I went and called on this really big business that I wanted to bring into our business and saw somehow just got in there. It was a cold call, but I like got in front of the decision maker. This is a long time ago. And she's fantastic, right? She was, I mean, everything I was saying, you know, she was picking up what I was throwing down. You know what I mean? I was like, I'm on fire. You know, like I'm like, I am bagging this thing, right? And we get right to the end. And I'm like, all right, so we can get started today. I'll get this, this, and this, you know, kind of doing that trial close kind of thing. And she's like, oh, no, no, no. I mean, I really appreciate everything, but I mean, I have to take this to like our board of directors and I've got to individually talk to all of the department heads. I got to make sure that, you know, I'm not like rocking the boat. I got to make sure that, you know, we cut the ties with our previous vendor. And I'm like, oh my God, like, okay, fine. How much time do you need? She's like, well, give me a week. And I'm like, okay. So come back a week later. I'm like ready to go. You know, I got the order book in my hand, nothing. Come back two weeks later, nothing. And she's always, she's never blowing me off. She's always nice, right? And I'm not like smart enough. This is, you know, I'm just like not educated on this stuff. Yeah. Guess how many times I went back there? I'm not exaggerating. I, I don't know how many times, but get, the length of time that I went back there, Steve, I finally yeah. did get the account, by the way, at the end, 14 months. Oh, wow. I went back there at least once a month for 14 months. And every time I went back, because I did not know these personality types. Yeah. And she'd always encourage me. So I'd be like, okay, I'll come back. I mean, this is going to be a monster account. She'd always, and what it was, she was a high S. I'm high D, probably not high enough D at that time, or I would have just ramrodded this thing home. But finally, in the 14th month, I think I asked her, I go, I've been in here for 14 months. You've already got your board to say yes. You got this to say yes. She goes, I'm like, what is the problem? She didn't want to call their existing vendor and break up. Uh, I said, can I do that on your behalf? And she's like, would you? And I'm like, sure. (laughs) And I'm like, God, we could have done this like nine months ago. But that was my D to her S, you know, me being persistent, me trying to drive it home. Yeah. Still being somewhat nurturing to her, obviously, because I let it go. But it was that S not wanting to rock the boat, initially not wanting to, you know, piss anybody off inside of her current company or rock the boat there. And then eventually, God, it was the scariest thing in the world to like call the vendor and just say, I don't want to do business with you anymore. Right. That to her was troubling. So yeah, super wild. I love that story. And that's a really good, you know, framework for exactly how this can show up. And I think that's another thing too, you know, with other things I would say, especially if you're in sales, your job is to understand what someone else is thinking in the frame exactly. they have. So I, I think you did, you still got there, Ken. That's the important part of that. Yeah. Story. Well, so the, I think the lesson is if you know this stuff, you can speed it up, right? So what I, I could have done is, yes, apply appealed to her, which I did, appealed to natural tendency to want to build relationships before she gets into them, right? Before she commits. 
And I did that, but I could have done that faster because I would have known where to go. And then I could have used my D skill set to just say, hey, specifically, what is it? Right? Like we don't have to rush if you don't want to, but what is it just so I might be able to help with the problem? Because had I asked the right questions, we would have closed the business probably in the second or third call, right? But instead, she didn't want to tell me no. She wanted to tell them no. She wanted to tell anyone in the company no. And so, again, this is something that could have put a lot of dollars in my pocket, made my life a little easier just in that one instance, let alone in all the instances you have in your personal life. If you're, you know, butting heads with your kid or with your, you know, significant other or whoever it might be, a lot of it is based on this, you know, their model of the world and your model of the world. Yeah. No, that's 100% right. And it's easy for that high I, high D to fall into that trap sometimes. And that's where, again, if you're working with other people that are different, you just have to listen more and you really do need to slow down or you're going to miss it. And it might cost you the sale, right? Totally, totally. Well, Steve, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. I love the disc. And every time I talk to you about it, I, I learn more about it. So it's really good to see you guys. Congrats on all the business success that you've had. Uh, we haven't, Steve and I used to get to talk a lot more and it's been at least a year. And uh, so Steve was catching me up before we got on here and their tremendous business growth. And so if you're ever looking for admin assistance or consulting around how to bring that level of talent into your business, I'm definitely going to have Steve's contact information in our show notes. I'll also put notes to Steve. I don't know where you get, where you do your online testing. I've been using truity.com, which I really like. It's just a good portal for us. So I'll put links for Truity and places where you guys can get the test. Thanks so much, Steve, for dropping by. And thanks to all of you guys. We'll see you next week in the Leaders Lab. Thanks, Ken. See you, Steve. Take care. Bye-bye. This has been a Mission Matters Network production. Listen to this show and browse our entire catalog by visiting missionmatters.com.